you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 19, and I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 19. Beginning at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And say amen to the reading of God's Word. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we bless you. We thank you. We glorify you for all that we have felt to this very moment. Right now, Lord, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon me, to share in this word today. Speak to every heart, every soul, every mind. Those that are watching online, we, we certainly welcome them into this service, and we pray that you would bless them. And every soul in this room, bless our kids' church today, our children's pastor. Linda and Hilda, as they minister the word to our kids, God, anoint them in a powerful way. May everything that is done, may it glorify the name of the Lord. And we give you thanks and we give you praise for these things. In Jesus' precious name. And the church said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Saddle up. Turn to your neighbor and say, saddle up. I was roughly 20 years old, and our home church had a young adult ministry called Rock Solid. We did various events for fellowship and enjoyed our time together as single and married young adults. And all the events were great until someone came up with a brilliant idea of going horseback riding. It sounded like fun, unless, like me, you end up with silver and you are not the Lone Ranger. Up and down, rearing back, and I am holding on for dear life. It was ugly and I was scared out of my mind. She keeps raising up, and I'm holding on begging for someone to get me off that horse. 
it was not my finest hour. At 20 years old, it was not my most masculine moment. In my moment of fear and agitation, now I didn't swear, but I passionately promised and declared I will never ride a horse again. But either I hadn't yet read the whole Bible as a Christian at 20 years old, or I had forgotten what I had read and heard from Revelation chapter 19. This Christian life is truly an adventure. It's like riding a wild horse. A lot of times it's a great adventure. I want you to enjoy this throwback Christian song from June of 1992. Go ahead. Saddle up your That is my therapy to prepare me for Revelation 19. And by the way, my heavenly horse will be that good. I have even named him. I named him this week. I have named my horse. His name is going to be Chance, as in Second Chance. <laughs> so for the month of August, we have spent time on future events. 
events that are on God's divine calendar that could begin any moment. We began August by talking about the worldwide evacuation, or what we call in the church the rapture of the church, when all true believers will be snatched away from all corners of the world, dead and alive, to meet the Lord in the air. The second week, we asked the question, what is next there? And the answer is glories, glories beyond what any of us could even imagine. As we begin to enjoy the third heaven, where our heavenly Father will be with all the sorrow gone and joys beyond comprehension. And last week we asked the question, well, if that's what's next there, what is happening next here? And the answer is terror and horror in what the Bible calls the seven-year tribulation. God will, in fact, awaken the Jewish nation. God will, in fact, bring judgment on a world that has neglected and denied His Son. Let me remind us today that the second coming of Jesus in the Bible is such a dominant subject. As a matter of fact, the second coming of Jesus is second only to faith as the most dominant subject throughout the Word of God. There's so many, so many different that talk about the, the second coming of the Lord. First of all, the prophets, they tell of his second coming. In Zechariah chapter 14, verse 3 and 4, we see the prophet there talking about the time when Jesus sets his foot upon the earth. Jesus himself announced his own second coming in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7. Listen to what he said. Listen very carefully. He said, for as the lightning comes out of the east and shines unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In verse 29 of that chapter, Jesus said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, that seven-year tribulation, he said, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and stars shall fall from the heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. We talked about that extensively because all of what he says right there is laid out specifically in the book of Revelation with the trumpets and the vials and the bowls of judgment that, that God is sending upon the earth, the effect of the tribulation. But then after that all takes place, verse 30 says, listen, it says, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Look at your neighbor and say, saddle up. The prophets announced, Jesus announced, thirdly, the angels announced, not only that he would be coming back to the earth literally, but they actually uh, give us an idea in the book of Acts about where he's going to set his foot. You find this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11 and 12. Listen to what it says. Ye men of Galilee, as they watched Jesus ascend to heaven, the angels stood by and said, Why are you standing gazing up into heaven? 
This same Jesus which is taken from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go up into heaven. Not only is he coming back as he said, but he is stepping foot down in the same place from where he ascended. How do I know that? Because the very next verse says that they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. They returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of olives. And if you go back to Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4, it says, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the eastern side of the city. I was honored 17 months ago to stand in that very place, that place where Jesus ascended to heaven, the Mount of Olives. I was, I was uh, honored to stand there and contemplate what Zechariah prophesied when he said that the Lord would descend to that very same place when he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. In fact, the effects of Jesus stepping down onto the Mount of Olives, the scripture says in Zechariah that it will split toward the east and toward the west and half of the mountain will move toward the north and move toward the south. It'll be such a dramatic effect when Jesus steps his feet upon planet earth. So we see in the Bible that the prophets speak of his second coming and that Jesus speaks of his second coming and the angels speak of his second coming when he literally comes to the earth. But then there's one more and it's John the Revelator in the book of Revelation. Listen to what he says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. They who pierced him and all all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. My dear God, someone look at your neighbor and say, saddle up. Well, praise the Lord. See, there are two times in heaven where the door of heaven is open. Listen. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, the first time you see heaven opened, it symbolically represents the rapture of the church. In those verses, you have the voice. You have the trumpet, the voice sounding like a trumpet. And you have the words that are spoken come up here. The church age is Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, and the beginning of chapter 4 is the rapture of the church when the trumpet is sounded and the dead in Christ and we which are alive were caught up when we hear the Lord say, come up here. But that's not the only time the door is opened in heaven. There's a second time that you see the doors of heaven open, and it's found in Revelation chapter 19. It's at the end of the seven-year period. Brother Tony, it's after we've enjoyed the seven years at the marriage supper of the Lamb. When I look at this, I contrast it very easily. The first door in Revelation 4, we are going to heaven. The second door in Revelation 19, we, it is opened again for the church and Jesus to return on our militant march back uh, to the earth. The first door when it opens is the rapture of the church. The second door is the return of the church back to earth. 
Saddle up, saints. Hallelujah. How is it going to happen? I'll tell you exactly how it's going to happen. In Revelation chapter 19, the door is going to be opened from heaven. And our champion is going to fly out first. His name is called Faithful and True. His name is called the Word of God. His name is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Bible says when he flies out on his horse, his eyes will be like a flaming fire, meaning he can see deep into the hearts of man, corrupt nations, and carnal mankind. They're banking on the hopes that their mask of hypocrisy will not be penetrated through, but I'm telling you those flaming eyes of a vengeful king will be able to see through everything. The scripture says he will be crowned with many crowns, meaning he is the monarch of the whole earth, and he has come to claim his title to the world that belongs to him. Well, praise the Lord. The scripture says when he comes out on that white horse, his robe is going to be dipped in blood, reminding the world that he in fact was and is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of mankind. He is also, because of that robe dipped in blood, he is that sacrificial lamb that has authority. He has all authority. He has all power. He said all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Why? Because he is the lamb that has been slain from the foundation of the world. And the Bible says with all those descriptions that the armies of heaven that's you and I. That's the saved. That's the redeemed. We're going to follow him on white horses and we're going to be clothed in a fine linen that is white and clean. I tell you, it hit me this week. I never noticed it before, but isn't it something that his vesture is dipped in blood and yet our garments are white and clean following him once again, reminding us that because of his shed blood, we are white as snow. We are white as wool. Saddle up, saints. It's about to come. It's about to take place. You see a parallel scripture found in a tiny one chapter book just before Revelation. And this is what it says in Jude, verse 14 and 15. It says, Behold, the Lord is coming with ten thousands of his saints. That's you and I. And he's going to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Let me tell you how the global conflict is going to unfold according to Scripture. First, this is how I see myself. I see myself following the king with millions of his saints and we're all on white horses and we're all filling the sky. Every 
where you look in the blue sky, you see saints of God on the back of white horses as far as the eye can see. And I believe our first destination is going to be the Mount of Olives. While we hover in the air, we're going to watch as our Jesus steps down on the mountain, splitting the earth from north to south and making an entrance into the city of Jerusalem. I'm telling you, Catholics been looking to worship Mary. They're going to bow down to King Jesus as he enters the city. Muslims that have been looking for Muhammad are going to capitulate and cower in fear and reverence as they bow to King Jesus as he enters into the city. Oh, I'm looking forward to being a part of that. I'm looking forward to watching that. But just as soon as he takes care of that, then I believe he's going to get back on his white horse and he's going to go to this massive valley like you've never imagined the expanse of which can't be measured goes as far as the eye can see and I believe he's going to face some armies oh we're still going to be up in the air we're still going to be on our white horses watching all of this spectacle unfold because I believe we're going to watch as armies and, and nations of China and Russia and Iran the very evil axis of the global community along with other nations that join with them as they begin to fight one another and ultimately turn to fight Jesus. And, and, but I believe he's going he's gonna to take them out. He's going to take them out according to the word of God. He's going to destroy them. He's going to annihilate them. The scripture says after making small work of these nations, then he's going to turn his attention to the Antichrist. He's going to turn his attention to the false prophet, and he's going to turn his attention, yes, even to Satan himself. This greatest war the world has ever known is going to be taking place. It's a global war. It's a spiritual war. All the effects and all of the calamity from it is so catastrophic. The Bible says that the blood is going to be shed so badly in that massive valley that the, the blood will flow to the height of the horse's bridle. And get this again, you and I, the redeemed, get to watch from above on our white horses. Mine's called chance. In case you missed it the first time, in, in other words, second chance. You see, two different, let me just stop here and preach a little bit. You see two different times in the Bible. I read one time where God said, this Egyptian army that you see that's pursuing you, you won't see them anymore. And he took his breath and he opened up the Red Sea and the Israelites walked across on dry ground. God took his big old wrench, went down into the, into the seabed and took all the wheels off of the chariots of all the Egyptians. How do, well, what's the significance of that? I'll tell you what the significance is. The significance is, is that he told his people, all you've got to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. These Egyptians that you see today, you're not going to see them anymore. Let me take you a little further into the Old Testament and talk to you about Jehoshaphat from the nation of Judah who was facing the Ammonites and the Moabites and the people of Mount Seir. They were all coming down against God's people. And you know what the Lord said through a, a prophetic word? A prophetic word came as Jehoshaphat said these words, God, our eyes are upon you. A prophetic word came through someone in the congregation, in the nation, and they spoke up, and this is what they said. Tomorrow I want you to show up at the battle, but when you show up at the battle, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You see why 
get so excited. The, uh, the, the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir that were opposed to the nation of Judah, God's people, the Bible said he sent confusion and they began to destroy one another. That's why I know when I saddle up on my white horse, I'm not going to have to lift a finger. Me and Chance are going to show up in the heavenlies and we're going to watch Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as he smites the nation with the sword of his mouth as he takes out the false prophet and the antichrist and cast them into eternal lake of fire as he takes Satan by the nap of his neck and cast him into a pit for 1,000 years that we'll never have to deal with him again. Oh, somebody ought to be giving the Lord praise right about now. <laughs> this is going to happen. Imagine, we've just returned to earth from seven years of no devil. That's the best y'all can do. We have just come back to earth from seven years of no devil. Can you imagine? 365,000 days of peace. 365,000 days of unending joy. 365,000 days of no evil upon the earth. Saddle up, saints. Hallelujah. <laughs> this that I'm describing today could happen. It could happen seven years from today. See, the rapture could be today. And then this would happen seven years from today. Here's my question. Would you be watching the global conflict on your white horse in the heavens? Or because of your rejection, your denial, your delay, would you be on the other end of that judging sword of Christ? In the final conflict. See, not only is he going to get rid of the false prophet and the Antichrist and bind Satan for a thousand years, not only is he going to annihilate nations that thought they were the strongest upon the earth in their axis of evil, but there'll be men and women and young people that gave in to the Antichrist and the false prophet. They will have had his name and number inscribed upon their head or upon their hand. I personally believe, I shared this Wednesday night, I personally believe that the moment a person takes the mark of the beast, that they will become demonically possessed. So they're going to be part of that army that fights against the Lord, they're going to blaspheme Jesus. They're going to gnash at him, but to no avail. Destroyed. Again, so much shed blood in that massive valley that it flows 
to the bridle of the horse. Which army will you be a part of? You going to be up in the clouds with me and Chance? A thousand years will be such a tremendous time. Kingdoms will have been struck down. Unrepentant will have been cast out. The false prophet and the Antichrist, gone for good, Satan silenced for a thousand years. It will be a time of peace. Now you find peace today when you keep your mind on the Lord. That's one of his promises. I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed upon me. But during that time, though, it'll be never-ending peace. There'll be not a soldier in uniform, no munitions planned. The Radford Arsenal will be out of business because it won't be needed. No military budget needed. Even the animal kingdom will be at peace with each other. The lion will lay down with the lamb. That wouldn't happen today. Not only will it be a time of peace, but it will be a time of prolonged life. If you're a student of the Old Testament at all, you know that before the flood, people lived to incredible ages. Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. It will be a time of kingdom global leadership. Jesus will reign from Jerusalem. And you and I will reign around the globe for the Lord. I'm looking at mayors and governors, school board members. I couldn't resist. I had to throw that in. Supervisors. <laughs> It'll be a time of kingdom, global leadership. It'll be a time for everlasting joy. Joy like you can't imagine. Joy that you can't fathom and comprehend. Did you know, I just learned this this week, and I'm going to mess some of you up right here, so you better listen to everything I'm going to say. Did you know that the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, was not written for Christmas? Who knew? I just messed some of y'all up. When Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World, he intended it to be a song about the second coming of Jesus, more specifically, the thousand-year reign of the Lord. Now, these Christmas people in July, they're nuts. They are all around me. I, I, I have a pastor friend, his wife, Brenda, 
in the middle of the summer sends me and my wife text with, with Will Ferrell portraying Elf telling us how many days till Christmas. My assistant, Sarah, if I gave her the green light, she would play Christmas carols all year long. Christmas in July on Hallmark, please. People like Lori Byers, who texted me the other day, and this is what it said. I walk around like everything is okay, but deep down inside, I want to put up my Christmas tree. Why she felt led to text that to me, I don't know. They're everywhere. They're corrupting my wife. She didn't need a lot of help, but they're corrupting her even more. But for you Christmas junkies all year round, I have now found you justification for Christmas in July and joy to the world in August. Joy to the world was in fact written not about Christmas, but was written about the second coming of Jesus and the thousand year reign. So listen, from the song, Joy to the World, heaven and nature are going to sing. Fields and flocks, rocks and hills and plains are going to repeat some joyful noise. Sin and sorrow is not going to grow. Thorns are no longer going to infest the ground. Blessings are going to flow as far as the curse is found. He will rule the world will with truth and grace, and he will make the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. Oh, somebody ought to give the Lord praise right now. Earth has been groaning for redemption. But on that day, earth will receive her king. Lori, joy to the world! The Lord has come. God help me. So saddle up. After seven years, we've been fattened up. And now we're geared up to watch our king wrap it up. What a great adventure. What an excitement. It's our blessed hope. It's not just about our soon rapture, but I'm as excited about our soon return. And this is the overture. Come on, Tony. Well, Tony and Larry are so excited about me today. I'm telling you, if we've ever been on the same page, that song you heard at the beginning was, that came out in 1992. It is the song of the millennium. Tony told me that. And some of his praise team may have rolled their eyes at him. They did roll their eyes at you. It's a great adventure. Anybody else remember that song? When it started playing, did anybody else remember that song? 
blessed hope. The glorious hope. And yet that thousand year reign is but a warm up, an appetizer. For an eternity that's filled with peace and prosperity and unending joy. There will be people that will allow losers like the Antichrist and the false prophet. And I say that boldly because they are losers. They may have worldwide influence, but they can only be second to one. And I'm on his side. People today, maybe sitting here, you give in again and again to the loser called Satan. But I've read the back of the book. I know what side I'm on. I know how it turns out. I know I spoke in the flesh and out of turn because one day I will mount a horse again. Now, I'm not going to become an equestrian like a couple of the folks here. Some of these, Shayla and Elena and some of these that love horses, I love them from a distance. Oh, what a beautiful animal. Just don't ask me to get on the back of them. One of these days, me and Chance, as in second chance, we're going to leave the portals of glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody else excited this morning? Anybody else rejoicing in the reality that he is our blessed hope? And at any moment, he's going to call his people home. Hallelujah. I'll stand on your feet this morning.